Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Bonjour et bienvenue au Canon Cast, un programme à la demande hebdo à Madère, des The Canon, un blog espionation dédié à vos, Blue Jackets de Columbus. And my apologies, I just thought I needed to butcher the French language as much as Gary <laughs> Bettman and various GMs did in Montreal last week. This is the Canon Cast. I am your host, PD. I am joined by Dale Bloom. And we have a lot to talk about because last week was the NHL draft. We have seven new members of the Blue Jackets organization. So, Dale, to start, let's let's start with the big picture here. Um, how do you think the Blue Jackets did? What what grade would you give to their draft class this year? Yeah, you know, I thought the Blue Jackets did a did a great job. You know, A minus B plus area. I think um, I think they could have had their top two picks maybe um, go a little bit differently, kind of depending on what the teams in front of them had done. Um, but I think that given what the position that they were in, um, I think that they, they did a, a pretty good job. Um, you know, I think we all wanted centers. Um, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of us had said that we wanted centers. Uh, we didn't get any within the first two picks. Um, but, you know, I think that the overall strategy, you know, I think Yarmo did what he always, what, what he always does is he thought who he picked, who he thought the best player available was. Right. And at the end of the day, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, and as a result, I feel like, especially on day two, there were a lot of good value picks, and we'll maybe get into some of them here a little later. Um, but there's certainly a lot to be intrigued about in this class. Um, there's certainly a lot of upside in this class. Um, and again, they, you know, there's a lot of uh, lot that we it's hard to predict about prospects. You know, especially when you get outside of the top ten. Uh, can be a little bit of a coin flip there. Sometimes it depends on the player landing in the right uh, environment, landing in the right scheme, staying healthy, uh, all those sorts of things. And of course, you know, we've got a group of players here who some of them lost an entire year of their development, you know, Uh, like the OHL didn't have a season in 2020-21. So, um, you know, that could affect the way that some of these players are projected going forward. Um, But yeah, let's go ahead and start with the first pick the jackets were picking at number six for the second year in a row and they selected a defenseman david yurachek from czechia he is a 
big body right hand shot defenseman. Uh, it's really not too hard to envision him being on the right side of the top pair next to Zach Wierenski for the long term. Uh, what do you think about your check? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about your check. Uh, personally, I wanted Cutter Gauthier, um, mm-hmm. but that didn't happen. I think he's going to be a stud and, and he's going to fit in really well with the flyers, but um, your check, he was the no brainer there um, at that yeah. number six pick. He's a big guy. He's, he's good on his feet. Um, he's got a heck of a shot. Um, you know, you, you want to com- compare him to, um, you know, the bigger guys across the league that have those shots, the Alex Petrangelo, the, um, you know, Victor Hedman, those guys. And, um, he is, you saw, we saw a few clips from him in um, development camp today, um, which started today and, you know, just hitting, hitting top corners with, with, um, some feeds. And I think that he has the chance to be possibly the best all around defenseman this franchise has ever seen. Wow. Um, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to put up Zach Wierenski or Seth Jones type numbers on offense. Um, but I, I can envision this guy being very good defender. Um, and, you know, as far as all around defenders go, offense and defense put together, I think that he has a chance to be very, very good for this organization. Yeah, I would look for him to be like a David Savard with better hands and possibly better skating. And, yeah, man, he's – I just am so impressed with his size. You know, you saw him next to Vila Siren, who – was also an NHLer in his own right and still looks like a pretty big dude. And, you know, Juracek was was towering right next to him. Um, yeah, I saw a clip of him laying a hit. He crushed uh, Michael Pitya into the into the boards. Uh, you love seeing hits like that. Uh, and, yeah, better, much better uh, puck work than I would have expected from, you know, a defenseman and a defenseman of that size. You would expect him to be just a bruiser, but he has the talent as well. And yeah, you know, as recently as maybe two weeks ago, I did not think that he would fall this far. You know, the way a lot of people expected the top of the draft to go uh, and knowing that teams like New Jersey, Seattle and Philadelphia all could use defensemen. It seemed like both of these top two defensemen would be off the board by number six. But then, um, you know, they some teams went in a different way and the draft unfolded a little bit differently and once Seattle picked Shane Wright at number four, which, you know, shocked everyone by him falling that far, uh, then I'm like, wow, we're going to get either Cutter Gauthier or David Juracek, depending on what Philadelphia did. And I would have been very, very happy with either outcome. So um, getting a guy that solves a lot of issues on the right side of the defense for the foreseeable future is uh, is really good. Yeah, he's got a great chance to be just the perfect partner with Zach Wierenski. I mean, a guy that can still move the puck, can can shoot the puck hard, um, can still skate, uh, but someone who is going to be probably a little bit better of a stay-at-home guy, um, can push guys out of the way in front of the net. Um, you know, if you're looking, if you're comparing him to Nimitz, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, Nimitz would have been awesome too if that's the way the draft had, had shook out. But yep. you probably vision check being a little bit more of an ideal partner for Zach Wierenski. For sure. Well, it, both of them were large right-hand shot defensemen, so either one would have would have fit that role for sure. Um, how quickly do you think he will make the NHL? You know, I, I say he probably goes back to Europe next year, uh, this next season. Um, you know, you would kind of maybe see like like him to see move up to Liga or um, mm-hmm. maybe go to Sweden um, yeah. to a little bit better of a league. 
but I, I don't think it's out of uh, out of question that he makes the team out of camp. Um, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. But after what happened with Cole Sillinger last year, you you never know. And this team needs somebody on the right hand side too. It's it's a uh, it's something that they're they've been struggling with over the last few seasons. For sure, for sure. Yes, that'll be that'll be one to watch. I I hope he gets a shot, and we'll see how he how he does with it. Um, now he did have an injury mid-season um, that wiped out about half his year, uh, but he was able to recover and play in the World Championships for Czechia. Um, so he seems to be fine now, but maybe he might he might want him to have another season of lower-level competition to uh, you know get that knee fully healed. Um, so then at number twelve. The where we a lot of us were looking. Okay, what what center are they going to take? But instead, the Jackets went with another defenseman, Denton Matejuk. Uh, again, I'm going to have trouble pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he's a uh, he's a Western Canada guy. He's playing in the Western Hockey League. Uh, a bit undersized, listed at 5'10", 194, um, but extremely skilled. Um, some people are comparing him to perhaps a. Kale McCarr type, which is obviously very high praise. Um, I think Corey Promen said Shane Gostspear. Um, so that's maybe a more reasonable expectation, but still a very good player. But he fits this sort of newer mold of defensemen that don't need to be super big, but um, great skaters, great with the puck, um, and can get the puck up ice and, and help defensively in that way. Um, I know you at the time were very disappointed that we didn't go center there. Now that you've had time to reflect on it, has your opinion on the pick changed? Yeah, it, it has. Uh, and I would admit that I didn't know much about Matejek going into the draft. Um, and doing a lot of reading um, and some video watching on him after the draft, um, it's pretty clear that, you know, compared to most of the other guys, if not all the guys that were available at 12, he probably has the highest floor. Mm-hmm. Um, now there is upside there too, right? Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of upside there, but he has a high floor, and you know there's a lot of people that think that he um, has a very, very good chance at being an NHLer um, long term, and you know probably fits in second pair, uh, you know after he's done developing. So when you're sitting at that spot, Yarmo wants probably wants the guy that is more sure surefire than maybe taking a swing, mm-hmm. um, and and I understand that, you know. I really wanted maybe a Frank Nazer, um, you know, Lambert probably proved to be a bit of a reach there. Um, but then you look at the way it shook out. Geeky got taken right before. Um, and you do really wonder that if Geeky yeah. doesn't go right before, if, you know, he is a Columbus Blue Jacket today. Um, but that's not how it worked out. Yarmo picked a guy that he thought was the best available. This guy's probably going to play in the NHL and he's got a probably a little bit higher of a ceiling than um, maybe a lot of the other guys that were available at that spot. Yeah, and I think it's totally fair to be disappointed that we didn't get a center there, but I also think we shouldn't let that sour our opinion of this particular player because, by all accounts, he could end up being a very special one. Um, And he's also a bit of a project, so I think he's still 17 or was like just going to turn 18 this week or something. Um, So he's going to spend another two years in the WHL, I think, before he's ready to to go pro. Um, but I think that once he does go pro, he could be a guy with his skill level that could enter the lineup right away. And, you know, this makes it three defensemen that we drafted in the last two first rounds. 
And when you consider Zach Wierenski, who is signed long-term, when you consider Adam Boquist, who just signed a three-year contract uh, last week, um, you could have five first-round picks on the blue line here just a few years down the line. Um, That's pretty exciting. It is exciting, and you know you can throw in Stanislav Sozol into that. I mean, this yep. is a that was a guy that was projected in the first round by several people last year, but he, you know, mm-hmm. after you know before slipping all the way to the third round, um, there's a lot of defense. There's a lot of defense. You can throw Samuel Canasco into that, um, who's showing a lot of promise. Um, you know, you have uh, Richard, who um, you know won awards as a freshman at, at Providence, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, these are all guys, add Jake Christensen to that. You know, these are all guys that aren't just defensive prospects, but they're promising prospects now at this point. Um, and the best you can hope for at this point is that all of these guys pan out, because if that happens, it's going to be trade assets. These guys are going to be moved for other players. So it's just too many. Um, you know, especially when you talk about, you know, these guys, these probably aren't guys that some of these guys, if they pan out to be really good NHLers, you know, you're probably going to trade them versus putting them on the third line. So um, I, I think somebody posted a potential lineup, um, you know, after the, the draft kind of shook out the way it was. You have Wierenski, you have Kulam, you have Wierenski with maybe Yerchek on the right side. Then you have Matejchuk with maybe Kuhlman's on the right mm-hmm. side. Um, you know, where does that leave Boquist? Is he on third pairing or, or what? But, you know, either way you look at it, some of these guys are going to pan out and, you know, some of them don't. Um, yeah. You're still looking at a very good core here in a few years. Yeah. So I like that there's the, the competition there. All of these defensemen can push each other and we're not putting all of our eggs in one basket of like, oh, we hope this one prospect works out and fills this hole in the defense. We've got options. And yeah, if we have too many that are good, that are NHL level, then those are trade ships. And especially the number of right-handed defensemen we've added uh, because those are always at a premium. So the more we have teams are always going to be looking for those guys. And that's how we can swing a trade for perhaps a center down the line. If that's still a hole that we need to fill. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it.
you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, speaking of centers, we were wondering, all right, well, are they going to get some centers on day two? And sure enough, their first pick on day two, uh, overall pick number 44 was, this is a great name, <laughs> Luca Del Bell Belus, <laughs> who we should point out with Mississauga, he was roommates with another Jackets prospect, Ole Julian Bjorg Vickholm. <laughs> this is like, what a tremendous name combination. <laughs> We got arguably the best name in the draft. And, and for those of you who didn't see it on Twitter today, there were some pictures floating around of his nameplate on his jersey, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, the, the L and the Z were kind of like stuck under the folds <laughs> uh, at the edge of his shoulders. Like my, I said, my, my dude, he's got to bulk up there in the upper body so that there's room to fit his name across his shoulders there. That was amazing. Yes, absolutely. But, but you, you look at the player too. Um, you know, for, for those out there who maybe aren't, aren't familiar, this is a kid that, um, rose quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. he didn't have a good rookie year in the OHL, um, had a very good second year. Um, and keep in mind, just like you said, pale, a lot of these guys are guys that missed a full entire year of development at a very critical age. Um, and this guy's one of them, you know, a lot of the guys at the, Blue Jackets picked later on in this draft are guys that kind of got got knocks for their skating. Um, this guy's too slow. This guy doesn't have good acceleration. This guy has an awkward stride, um, and this is one of them. But by all accounts, this is a player that has good vision. He's got a good shot. Um, go check out some of his videos on YouTube. He's got great hands. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very possession-minded. He's able to hold on to the puck um, and drive play like you want a center to be able to do. Um, so they're going to work on this guy. You know, he's not a high-end prospect. He's not a, a, a surefire thing. Um, but I thought he's a very good, good pick at 44. I probably would have picked him earlier if I was a different team. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, PD, I had him pegged earlier. This is a guy that as soon as we we hit our 12th pick, I said that we got to go get this guy. Um, and we did. If he can shore up his skating, his stock is going to rise very quickly. Um, and hopefully he ends up playing a good top nine role for the Jackets. Yeah, and I had I think it was maybe Corey Promen who said that his skating issue was mechanical and made it sound like it's something that can be worked on. So, and now that he's in the organization, you know we have development staff for a reason. These guys will talk to him. They'll give him tips. They'll work with him. Um, someone I forget in the comments or in our Slack. They mentioned that Matejchuk's mom is a former figure skater and is now a skating <laughs> coach, and she taught Matejchuk how to skate so well. So yeah, maybe maybe bring her in the organization. Maybe there she can go. be a, a skating consultant for everyone here. But yeah, uh, LDBB he put up seventy six points in sixty eight games in the OHL last year, and something else that he did that intrigues me. People pointed out that so when Mississauga played Kingston. Uh, LDBB was the center that was paired up against Shane Wright. Interesting. I and, did not know that. Yeah. And he was apparently was able to hold his own against Shane Wright. Um, so if this is a guy that can definitely contribute as a 200 foot center. Uh, and yeah, I don't see him as being our one C. I don't see him becoming like a Braden point type uh, riser for us, but if he becomes a, maybe Artem Anisimov type center. 
Like that's that's a super useful player to have in the system. Every team needs a guy like that. A long-term top nine center from the second round is a win every single time. And if he if he turns out to just be that, a, a really good three C, not absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, the three C that could maybe play up a little bit, maybe even a William Carlson type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would absolutely take that. He's six one too, so he's not a small guy. So he's got already got that build for it too. So oh, for sure, and, and room to grow, absolutely. Um, in the third round, at the very end of the third round, the Jackets took what might be their most interesting uh, player for, for me, a uh, guy, Jordan Dumay, who was not high on a lot of rankings, but the people people that did have him on their rankings loved this kid. Thomas Trance, who covers the Canucks, he tweeted, I think when it was still in the second round, any team that doesn't pick Dumay after this point is making a mistake. <laughs> and so, you know, lots of teams passing them as many as three times, but uh, the Jacks took him. This is a guy, he is undersized. He's listed at five foot eight. He's not considered a great skater. So, you know, if you're small, it helps to be quick. And he's neither small nor quick, but he's effective. He put up 108 points in 68 or 109 points in 68 games uh, in the queue last year. Um, so, again, this is a guy I think is going to need to take a couple of years still to season. But the fact that he's already putting up those kind of numbers, this is a guy who has skill that could perhaps overcome the physical limitations there. This is where NHL scouts and GMs just get a little weird in my opinion. Because <laughs> listen, if Jordan Dumais is an inch taller and a little bit better of a skater, he goes mm. in the first round, no question. Yeah. So why you let a player like that, 109 points in 68 games, slip all the way down to the 96th pick, the last pick in the third round, yeah. is just, it's it's beyond me. Um, and I admit that I didn't know anything about the player going into the draft, but like you said, there were people screaming on Twitter that how could you let a guy like this um, fall this far? So it's really exciting. Um, it's a kind of a lottery pick at that, that when you start the third, fourth, fifth round, it's a lottery right. pick anyway. So pick the guy that has the highest upside. Who cares if he, his floor is maybe a little bit lower. Um, and man, if he turns out, you think of an Oliver Bjorkstrand, yep. I mean, how well he turned out for the blue jackets. He's a little bit bigger, but he was putting up, he put up similar numbers in his post draft year. Um, and yeah, it, I love the pick. I love taking big swings like that. Yeah, I made that same comparison this morning in the, in the article I wrote where I noticed that, yeah, Bjorkstrand put up the same number of points, 109 points in a similar number of games, but that was in his post-draft season, whereas Dumay was doing it in his pre-draft season. And now, sure, the Q is a little more offensive-focused than WHL is, uh, but Bjorkstrand's a guy who is, is bigger than Dumay, but is not a big guy by any means, and is not a great skater for his size, but is an effective player. Great hockey sense, works hard, sees the game well, has great puck skill, and I think Dumay has a lot of those things. So again, it'll take a few years, but I'm excited to see if he can uh, if he can get it together. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, from a five eight winger <laughs> to a winger that is six foot six, two thirty four. My God, this guy is a uh, is a power forward in the NBA. With those stats here, uh, Kirill Dolzhenkov, uh, a Russian player, uh, man, I, I just I can't imagine a six foot six winger. Uh, I saw a clip of him doing a lacrosse style goal this past season, 
And it's like, he didn't even have to, like, bend over to get leverage. <laughs> he didn't even have to, like, raise the stick that much to get it at the top part of the goal. Like, just made it look effortless. Um, again, with the Russia situation, we don't know how long it's going to take to get him over here. But this is a guy that if he does come over at some point, um, could be very good. There's a, uh, a writer, Patrick Bacon, at Top Down Hockey, who was posting cards for every player as they got drafted. And he has this model that gives a percentage to the chances that the player becomes an NHLer and becomes a star. And Dolzhenkov was, I think, in the top 20 on his list. Top 10. For, yeah. To become even a star player. It's like an 18% chance of becoming a star player for a guy that went at 109th in the draft. Um, that's That's really interesting. And I think it comes down to he's a guy that's been putting up points in the junior level there and he's already got the nhl built at 18 years old so um that's uh that, that's another very very interesting pick to me yeah and again it goes back to kind of what we we're talking about dume it's he's not a good skater it's like so what <laughs> the guy is six six he's got good hands right yeah. that package you can't find that package very often so you teach the guy to skate a little bit and, you know, even if he turns out to be a top nine forward in any way, shape or form, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, with that kind of size. So again, fourth round pick, you're swinging for the moon. I absolutely love it. Let's just take the giant swing and hope you hit a home run. And uh, I think it was one of the, uh, um, one of the central, the NHL central scouts tweeted out that, um, watching him uh, play against uh, U20 players was just comical because of how big <laughs> he is. And, um, you know, I'm sure that he was just able to skate circles around those guys, though, even though he's, you know, maybe not have a good stride or whatever, but, um, you know, hopefully could be four or five years, like you said, till we get to see this guy over in North America if he comes at all. But um, definitely an interesting pick. I just, I love picking those kind of guys. I'm, I'm all for it. And I wonder if he would have gone higher if there weren't the concerns surrounding the current Russia situation yeah. with, with, you know, even players having trouble leaving the country at the moment, which is a really, really scary situation. Um, you know, and Yarma was asked about that factor and if that affected how they did it. And he, he acted like it wasn't a factor and that he said, Oh, you know, he was just, this was the right time to take that player. But I do wonder if even the Jackets would have taken him higher. But at this point in the fourth round, he was just too much of a talent to pass up at that point. When, again, all these all these players at this point in the draft are lottery tickets. So might as well take a guy with that kind of very rare combination of size and skill. Mm-hmm, absolutely. With the fifth round pick, they actually traded next year's fifth round pick to get into this year's fifth round where they no longer had a pick. And they took a goalie, Sergei Ivanov, again, another Russian player. Um, he is undersized for a goalie, just five foot eleven. But the Jackets don't seem to put too much stock in size for a goalie. They have drafted smaller goalies in the past. Uh, Benny Vevelainen was another one who was like that. Um, I'm, I was just happy that they got a goalie. I think this was not a super deep draft for goalies, but I'm glad that they got another one to have in the system because. And I think we've discussed this before. I think it's just good to every year or every other year take a goalie just so you have more options in your system. 
Absolutely. You look at their depth chart right now, you have Jet Greaves at number four. Mm-hmm. There's not really anybody behind him. Um, you know, you could always find somebody in a pinch, but like you said, you always want to keep those guys in the pipeline. Uh, I saw somebody tweet out, I don't remember who it was, but somebody tweeted out and said that this was the goalie they had their eye on um, to potentially, you know, be the pick, a, a good goalie pick in the last couple rounds or in the latter half of the draft. So they traded up to get him from la- for, for with a pick from next year. So obviously they, they really liked the guy and they wanted to get him. So um, positive things all around there, I think. Yeah. And then finally, in the seventh round, they took James Fisher, who was a uh, high school player, which you don't see a lot of guys drafted right out of high school. A lot of these NHLers tend to, you know, play for, you know, AAA club teams and things like that. Um, But he's a high school player. He's going to play in the USHL this coming year. And then I think he's already committed to Northeastern University. Uh, So he's a Massachusetts kid, 6'2 already. So again, they're going for size with a, a lot of these picks. I would just be interested to know how they find these players in the high school. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, the very last pick of the first round was a high school kid. Hmm. Um, I cannot remember where he was from or what his name was, but I remember them talking about that at the, at the draft. Um, so it's just really interesting to be able to, you know, to pick some of those guys straight out of high school. You kind of wonder how they find them, um, especially a guy that goes in the seventh round. Sure, why not? You know, they they see something they like in him, and 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 who knows? Maybe him flying under the radar, not having the the development. You know, maybe a guy like that works out in in the end. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. With the time we have left, do you have any thoughts about? Uh, first of all, any thoughts about development camp happening this week? Anything that has stood out stood out to you from from that so far, or things that you're looking forward to with the three on three tournament coming up on Wednesday? Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. I always love the three on three tournament every yeah. single year. Um, one big note, uh, one big happening was that Kirill Marchenko um, was yeah. able to to make it into the U.S. Um, and uh, Aaron Portsline today um, said that he has plans to stay in the U.S. Um, so he will not be leaving. Good. Um, so that's yeah. really good news. That's that's great to know. Um, I've you know for the last few years I've been really excited, really been itching to see this guy in Columbus. Um, you know, I think that he is going to be a good NHLer. Um, so really excited for this to become official. Finally, it seems like it's been forever, you know, <laughs> even though the guy's only 22. Right. Right. Um, so excited about that. Um, and then to see Ken Johnson, um, Michael uh, Pitya or Pitya, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, excited to see him after the year that he had a couple of these professional guys. You're kind of just hoping that they that they really stand out and have a good camp. Yeah, and it sounds like, yeah, day one, Marchenko did look like a guy that has been <laughs> playing at a high level uh, last few years, you know, internationally and professionally. Um, it was also neat to see, like, pretty much every beat writer that was on site was saying something similar on Twitter after Marchenko met the media, just that they were totally charmed by him. Mm-hmm. Um, that he, he, he answered you know, in English and um, had a great personality, and so... Um, I, you know, for all these years, I think people were worried like, oh, is Marchenko even going to want to come over to North America? But it sounds now like this is a guy that, yeah, no, he definitely wanted to be an NHLer, was always looking forward to doing this and is now really excited for the opportunity. And, um, I hope that he is comfortable here. Um, certainly he comes here with a greater grasp of English than say Chinikov did. Um, hopefully he and Chinikov can, uh, can bond, become friends, and Chinikov can maybe help him adjust. Just hope he 
gets comfortable here and hopefully that his game as well is NHL ready. And finally, on Wednesday is the start of free agency. Now, I don't expect the Jackets to be big players on the market. I don't know that they have a lot of uh, room on the roster for adding anyone new. Do you expect them to do anything this week? No, not really. You know, I'm really the only guy that I'm super intrigued by is Dylan Strom. Yes. Um, and you know, it's a long shot, and you know, there's no really reason to to think he why he would sign in Columbus right now. Um, but if he were interested and there were a shot there, they should be all over that. Um, he would be a great addition. You know, the the Blackhawks aren't qualifying him um, because of their want to completely and utterly tank. <laughs> And possibly have a historically bad team next year for the chance of getting um, Bedard. Um, but he's only 25. So if you were able to sign him to a long-term contract, it would still make sense. Um, you know, he is a solid second line center um, with proven success in the NHL. So go, go, go all in for him um, if it's even possible. But if not, I don't really see anybody else, you know, unless there's some sort of intriguing, um, you know, veteran guy that they think would fit in well with the group that could be a good mentor to the young guys. Uh, maybe if they could find like a third line center, um, you know, that would fit in well with the group and mentor the young guys or a veteran defenseman. I could see them, you know, finding one of those guys on a one or two year deal. But outside of that, no, I don't expect them to be very active this week. Yeah, Strom's a guy that he's still young enough that I would definitely give him a long-term deal if that's what it would take to entice him maybe a five or six year offer. Um, and I think he would then make the center situation a lot clearer because uh, he's a guy that you could definitely put in there in the, in the middle of the lineup at center. Uh, I'm really surprised that Chicago couldn't find Eddie takers to give up even some draft picks for his rights. Um, and that Columbus wouldn't even be on that. That's really odd to me that they would just let him go for nothing. It's weird. It's almost like they just decided last minute that this was the direction that they were going to go in and they just didn't have time. And they just kind of threw plans together at the draft. They were just trying to swing trades any way they possibly could to get first round picks. Um, it just seemed weird to me all around. Yeah. And they, they traded Kirby doc, who's still just 21 years old. Like yeah. that's a guy that I would think you could build around even as you're doing a rebuild, you know, and instead they traded him for a pick they spent on Frank Nazar, who I don't know has any more upside than Kirby Doc did. He's yeah. certainly a much smaller player at the same position. That's, ah, it's it's weird. <laughs> yeah. But if Chicago's bad, I will enjoy Chicago being bad. So, so that's <laughs> Always that's and problem. forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apologies to Seth Jones, because uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's not what he signed up for with that uh, eight-year deal. <laughs> All right. Uh, any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, I think the only thing uh, worth mentioning is that the Blue Jackets opted to not qualify Gabriel Carlson and Kevin Stinlin today. Um, you know, kind of surprise on Carlson. Um, you know, you think that they probably would have kept him around for another year. Um, you know, that, that didn't happen and move on from him, which is probably for the best. You got other guys wanting to come up um, and play. Um, so Kevin Stinlin, too, that, that's expected really sad I, I was really high on him for a while really liked his game um but you know he just couldn't stick in the in the nhl so best of luck though to those two yep. guys yeah they were always good teammates they you know dealt with a lot of tough situations in terms of you know not getting to uh get consistent playing time that much um Stedlin, i thought you know, there are a lot of times where he looked good in small bursts and i thought deserved more of a chance than he got 
Um, Carlson, though, was a guy that even as he got opportunities, um, was just clearly to me not at the level that he needed to be. And, and now there's just better options in the organization. So uh, nothing against the guy personally, but um, I think it was the right decision to move on from him. All right. That will do it for us this week. Check back in next week. We'll be looking back over what happened in free agency, what moves the Jackets might make, what trades they might make uh, as all this is going on, or you know, at least just talk about what all the other teams <laughs> around us are doing because uh, there's some lots of moving going on at the draft. I expect a lot more happening in free agency. Um, yeah, it seems to maybe getting a little weird. And uh, as a neutral observer, that's fun to watch for sure. So <laughs> we will catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Canon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to angelaperley.com for more music and show dates.